Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and welcome to Back to the Bible Canada and another episode of Truth and Life Today with Dr. John Newfeld. And, you know, we're going to talk about an interesting subject, uh, I think, for some, and it's, it's the idea of baby dedications. Now, we're not talking about uh, baptism, we're not talking about child baptism, but, but dedication services. And, and this is something I'm familiar with because I'm from the Salvation Army, and we would dedicate our children when they're when they're when they're young when they're just babies and uh, so the whole idea of dedications that some denominations have like the Salvation Army and others uh, is there a biblical model for it is is it a necessity yeah I mean most of the time we take the baby dedication as you know from from Mark chapter 10 where uh, people were bringing children for Jesus to bless them. The disciples say, you know, don't bother the teacher, right? And he let the little children come to me for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And so we've taken that as, you know, as a basis for doing it. Now, clearly there's nothing in the Bible that teaches us we should be dedicating our babies in church. Now, my sense is that baby dedication probably arose from Baptistic style of churches who weren't baptizing infants uh, but we're waiting till later. So, so you, you've got now a believer's baptism, so what do you do with infants? Because you know, in churches that practice infant baptism, they had something in which parents brought their children to. What do other churches do? And the answer is, well, why don't we substitute baby de- a baptism with, with a baby dedication, use the text from Mark 10, and, and, and help parents to understand that Christ welcomes little children. So that's yeah. the idea behind it, I think. Yeah. So the question is, um, do we find a, a biblical precedent for it? Sure, we do. The, are we commanded to biblically do that? Of course not. But we do a lot of things that we're not commanded to do, and it's okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, if you have hymnals in your church, you're not commanded to have that. If you if you uh, use some kind of a projector to have you know the songs up there, you're not commanded to do that. There's a lot of things we do which we are free to do, and I find baby dedication to be a very helpful thing. You know, it tells parents that Christ is concerned for their children, and it also tells the church as a whole that we need to welcome these children, not only, you know, the parents, but the entire church is to join together and to pray for the new children that God has brought into the congregation. So, I mean, all of that, I think, is very helpful, and I love it. I commend it. And, you know, when I was a pastor, it was one of the favorite things that I did is hung on to these little kids. I love that. You know, you had mentioned there's a number of different types of ceremonies or or classes or things of that that we do within the church, uh, catechisms or confirmation classes. Uh, yep. Again, being in the in the Salvation Army growing up, we did junior soldiers huh. as what we, is what we did. Yeah, and it's you, like these, a confirmation. Yeah, these classes you went through. So are these are these important things? Are these things we should participate in? Yeah. So to be clear as well, I mean, uh, you know, I hold to believers' baptism. Yeah. Um, but I know that my mother, who is Lutheran, um, she you know, spoke very much about her confirmation. And for her, it was a very important time in her life. So you know, she went through a, a very you know, strict uh, teaching in terms of what are the doctrines of Scripture. I think in terms of my mom, she probably went through the Heidelberg Confession, which was a Lutheran confession of faith. And then she's examined in terms of that, and she's confirmed in her faith before the entire congregation. That's how it's usually done. I didn't realize that the Salvation Army had a program that was something like that. It's very interesting to me. I think what's lacking in Baptistic-style churches is that in another generation, we used to do the same thing with young baptism. Uh, people that were just being baptized, we would, you know, we would do a very strong 
affirmation of their faith. You know, they grow up in a Christian home. Do they actually affirm the faith that's once and for all laid down to the saints? I mean, nowadays, we're simply asking a person to give a confession of their receiving Christ as Savior and Lord. That's good. It's good. But we ought to be asking people about various aspects of their own faith. What is their faith? So mm-hmm. I like all of this stuff. I think it, it's a part of the right of growing up in a Christian home And we ought to look for places that have rituals, passages that we take people through in which we seek to examine and affirm if their faith's real. So this isn't something, again, that that it's a biblical uh, mandate or anything of that nature, but it's something that we can say, hey, these types of things will allow our young people to be founded in their faith, understand what they believe, and uh, hopefully be able to tell others as well. Uh, what they believe. That leads me to another question. Uh, Does everything we do need to be explicit in the Bible? Yeah. You know, one of my favorite stories from the Reformation comes from Ehrlich Zwingli. And uh, he ate sausages one day. (laughs) It was a scandalous thing to do because it was one of the holy seasons in the Catholic Church in which they were not permitted to do that. And Zwingli says, you know, if it's not explicitly commanded in the scripture. So if the scripture doesn't say, you, you shall not, mm-hmm. then we are free to make up our own minds. It works the other way as well. You know, Ben, I think we are free in the church of Jesus Christ to raise up godly traditions. Yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, I hear people say, everything that's traditional, that's bad. Not necessarily so. There can be godly traditions. I mean, we were recently in... Uh, in Greece, and I know on my bus, we had this conversation about what to do at Halloween time. You know, and I said, you know, I think that we ought to raise up a tradition because it's Reformation Day. Maybe there ought to be traditions in which we remember the Reformation. You know, is that commanded in Scripture? Of course not. But I think we can build in traditions into the church, uh, which will be holy. I mean, we might say, are we ever commanded in Scripture to celebrate Christmas? And the answer is no. It's a tradition that's developed. And, you know, you and I can make up our minds whether or not it's a good or a bad tradition, but we can make traditions holy and good. Yeah. You know, just as another aside, because you mentioned Greece, we were in Greece and we were talking to some people there about Christmas and about Easter. And and, and the the, uh, preponderance of the celebration came around Easter and not Christmas at all there. Yeah, so I would say that for us, that's what we've done wrong because our culture that we live in celebrates Christmas and not Easter, in the Church of Jesus Christ, we have tended not to have this buildup and a climax that leads us to the center of our faith, to Easter. We've almost ignored Easter, and it's because we simply follow the spirit of our age. It seems like often today, our traditions are being engaged as a result of the culture that we live in rather than the other way around. Yeah, so my, yeah, we're talking about tradition. So let's say that if the Church of Jesus Christ worked harder to develop countercultural yeah. godly traditions, everybody has traditions. I don't think you can function as a human being or as a culture without traditions. You know, we talk about baby dedication and these rites of passages. You're a man or a woman now. What does that feel like? You know, we have times, like our culture normally says when you graduate from high school, that's a tradition that we have. You're now graduated into adulthood. At least you're supposed to, right? You know, but all of these things are a part of what it is to be human. 
So I think that's what the Church of Jesus Christ needs to do and to say, let's talk about being human. Let's talk about rites of passages. Let's talk about the things that we do and let's develop godly ways of doing them. So that leads well into the next question, which is unrelated uh, to children, but it's about the Sabbath. Yeah. If uh, it, it would be probably true to say that some people would say that the Bible explicitly tells us that the Sabbath is on a Saturday. Yeah. So does that mean what we do on a Sunday is is wrong? Boy, that's a that's a long uh, discussion. <laughs> but however. You know, if I might, let's, let's start at 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1. And so let me just find that while I talk. And uh, in 1 Corinthians, uh, there seems to already be an indication in the early church that there had been a movement on the day of worship from Saturday to Sunday. So um, 1 Corinthians 16, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you are also to do on the first day of every week, each of you is, is to put something aside. So this would have been now the day that Christians were worshiping together. Revelation begins that way as well. I was in the spirit, John writes, on the Lord's day. And so it seems to be that the Lord's day had become the Christian celebration of Sabbath. So why move from Saturday to Sunday? And I know the easy answer is, well, Christ was raised from the dead. Uh, A more complicated answer, I think, is that the, the Jewish Sabbath was celebrated in the uniquely Jewish way And as history developed, the Jewish Sabbath became more and more resistant to the gospel. And so Christians were saying, we need to celebrate the command to keep one day holy in a way that's uniquely God-honoring and brings glory to Christ. Mm -hmm. And so by doing it on Sunday, it was a way to do that. Now, having said all of that, if a local church makes up its mind that our day of worship is going to be on Saturday, that's fine. There's nothing in the Bible that prevents that. And there's nothing in the Bible that prevents us from worshiping on Sunday. I would think that we should worship on Sunday because it has been the unique expression of the Christian faith. Hmm. So that, that would be my argument for it. Yeah. And, and we see that developing in the pages of the New Testament. Um, I would argue we still have Ten Commandments, that we ought to keep the Lord's Day holy and that we would refrain from work outside of those things that are work of necessity. So I've tried to do that in my own life. And, and I know my wife is actually stronger about that than I am. She wants to say, let's not go shopping on Sunday. It's our day of rest. So it's not a legalistic thing. It's this this command of God to lay aside the things that we normally do and set it aside one day of the week for Him. Um, I think that's a great thing. Now, the world would say there's all kinds of challenges uh, with with the Sabbath thing. But but it's probably likely true, and we probably overlooked it. It's really not about a Saturday and Sunday thing, either or. It's what do we do with the Sabbath? And, and I think maybe we've lost our true north with what we ought to be doing on the Sabbath. Yeah, for some, you've got to give them grace because they're working in these jobs, which are shift kind of jobs, Absolutely. and it changes all the time. I have a son-in-law who's a fireman, yeah. and so, you know, I mean, his shift changes constantly, so he's going to be working on a lot of days of rest. Yeah. But I think the challenge even then is to find one day of the week and to set it aside unto the Lord. I think there ought to be a pattern in our lives which we've forgotten. So we've talked about holy traditions. Let's reestablish this holy tradition that one day of the week we set aside for the Lord, for worship, and for rest, and we cease from our labors, and we honor Christ in that way. I think that's a great way to conclude. That's a great challenge. Thanks so much, John, and thanks for joining us on Truth and Life today. And join us again next week. And if you want to support the ministries of Back to the Bible Canada, you can do so 
by giving us a call at 1-800-663-2425 or visiting us online at backtothebible.ca. We hope you're enjoying the new Truth in Life Today show with Dr. John Newfeld. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode each week. But we want you to be involved in the show. To submit your own personal questions to Dr. John, you can email us at info at backtothebible.ca or find us on Facebook by searching Truth in Life Today. Thank you.